Hello again, it's Ash Harry with Film Exploration and today we should be carrying on with our 80s movies and for episode 16 we'll be talking about the 1987 action classic Predator directed by John Matiernan and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Shane Black and Jesse Ventura. I mean, right there we have two debut roles in Shane Black, who was known for a writer and famously broke into Hollywood with his script for Lethal Weapon. And during this film, between takes, he was writing The Last Boy Scout, which came out in 91 with Bruce Willis, I think. He even directed a new Predator movie, which came out last year, which was really good. And it's on um, Now TV, I think. So Shane Black plays Hawkins, who dies quite early on in the movie. He plays this geeky radio guy obsessed with telling rude jokes let's say and um, he's directed a few more films now Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang so he's quite established in Hollywood now and then we have another debut in Jesse Ventura who was a member of the Navy Seals before he became an actor and he was even a wrestler on um, WWE or WWF at the time before even venturing into acting and with him and Arnie in this film this marks probably the first time in Hollywood where a film has two future or now ex US governors in a movie together Arnie obviously governor of California and Ventura became governor of Minnesota this film was noticeably Arnie's acting peak in terms of his physical appearance and his trademark one-liners that being said though this film wouldn't have happened at all if it wasn't for his good friend Sylvester Stallone now after smashing it at the box offices with the Rocky films and more closer to the time Rocky 4 producers were like well If he can beat the Russian guy in Apollo Creed, who's in the movie, by the way, not Apollo, Carl Weathers, the actor who plays him, then who else are we going to get Rocky to fight? And they joked around with the idea that Rocky should probably fight an alien. And this idea just didn't go away. It was like Inception. And so the screenwriters started writing this screenplay. And that's where the script for Predator was born. Obviously, it's not set in a boxing ring, but a duel between man and beast. Originally, it was called The Hunter, but they changed it late in production because Predator just sounded better. It sounded more appealing. And they make a dig of this, actually, in the 2018 Predator movie that Shane Black did because Olivia Munn's character in that movie goes, well, technically, he's not a Predator, he's a Hunter, which I didn't know. But you learn these really cool facts when you watch a shitload of movies. So from the latest Predator movie, I learned that a Predator, by definition, is a living organism that hunts or kills for food or a personal gain, which is why we have the term sexual Predator, because of their assumed personal gain, whereas a hunter merely hunts for sport or sometimes even food. But we establish in this movie that this alien is not killing them for food, but probably more sport, which is confirmed from the second movie where, Ed, um, where the Predator keeps their spines and their skulls as trophy, which is quite gross. So going by pure definition, Predator is technically a hunter, so they should have probably kept the name, but now we're used to it, so there isn't much we can really do about it than just say, Predator sounds cooler. (laughs) So I was mentioning earlier earlier that this is sort of the physical peak on Arnie shown in a movie. Well, well, maybe Commando is, because he's massive in that, but... Arnie in this is something else. He lost £25 before filming Predator in order to better suit this special warfare operative role so he'd become lean as well as muscular. So, you know, that's sort of where I'm getting at when I say he's at his peak in this movie. I mean, how many people have to drop £25 to play the biggest guy on set? I mean, he looks absolutely fantastic in this movie i mean as you can guess the testosterone on this film was massive the movie was the ultimate movie for lads every one of those actors was ripped and bulked up to the max i think with the exception of shane black 
and Carl Weathers, who um, plays Dylan in this movie, Apollo Creed, or you probably know him best for, you know, Apollo Creed and Rocky, he was saying that the actors would get up at 3 a.m. to work out before shooting would even start at 7 a.m. And it would be this sort of constant competition between all the actors. What Carl Weathers did was work out after they all had finished um, working out in the morning. And what he did was that he was gloating about how he didn't have to work out because his body is naturally like this. Little did they know he worked out when they weren't looking. And Arnie, he was, you know, he has this talent for mind games. I don't know if you've ever seen Pumping Iron. He is ridiculous at really fucking with the opponent's mentality before a show. And it's just part of his genius and passion to knowing how to do this and sort of get in someone's head before the big day and something that he learned from his bodybuilding days. What he did here was quite innocent, though. I mean, it was really harmless. What he did, he told the wardrobe guys that the next time Jesse Ventura comes in, who's this really big guy, almost the same size as Arnie, who's in the movie. He plays uh, Blaine in this movie. Uh, he tells, He told the wardrobe department, to tell him when he next comes in that his biceps are bigger than his and he's like oh okay cool and he said you have to be really convincing about it and so so they did that and Ventura being Ventura went over to Schwarzenegger like a couple of days later and he goes I bet my arms are bigger than yours and Arnie's like okay fine I bet you a bottle of champagne mine are bigger and Ventura's like yeah okay fine let's do that and uh, <laughs> obviously um Jesse Ventura ended up buying a whole case for um, Arnie um, and they found out that Arnie's biceps are actually three inches bigger than Ventura's so um, yeah he's quite sneaky Mr. Schwarzenegger and um, there's an actor called Richard Chaves Um, he's pretty unknown actor but he plays Poncho in this movie Uh, and knowing that you know Jesse Ventura and Carl Weathers and obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be in this movie and their costumes were all sleeveless. See, I mean, he was working out like, like mad. He had to get his arm ripped and massive. And he, and he did. He got absolutely, you know, ripped and big for the role. Much to the surprise of the cast. However, when he came to the set on the first day in the Mexican jungle, red ants had bitten him all over his arms like a hundred times. And they swelled up into lumps. So they had to cover his arm up, which is why he's not sleeveless in Predators. So, so the world's never going to know about Richard Chave's big arms. Um, but you can see, you can clearly see this sort of friendly competition in this movie, which just spiked each other to be, you know, in their best shape for this movie. And the red ants were only a portion of the difficulty on set. I mean, the film provided a variety of challenges for the actors. There were leeches, there were poisonous snakes. The terrain was ridiculous. All the night shoots were done in freezing cold conditions. Arnie especially going through the worst for the end scene when he's covered in mud. He was absolutely freezing. They also got severely ill during the movie. Most of the crew got diarrhea from the tap water in Mexico. So it was just ridiculous, these things these lads went through. But knowing that just makes this movie much more of a classic and that much more authentic when watching it. So Predator, if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, that's just criminal. So it's... um. We sort of have this team of special force ops who are meant to be the best of the best. And it's led by this tough soldier, Dutch, played by Arnie. And they've been ordered to assist Dylan, who is CIA, on a rescue mission for potential survivors in the South American jungle because of a unrecovered helicopter crash. So shortly after they land, Dutch and his squad realise that they've been sent here under false pretense. However, that is the least of their worries as they find themselves being hunted one by one, something not of this world in this core of this South American jungle. Now, this idea and story and the whole movie was appealing for a lot of reasons. One, it had Arnie in it. Two, it had an enemy that we didn't know or even we couldn't even see it. 
Amongst other reasons to do with the cast, the muscular appearances of all the actors, the way it was shot, the director. But what really appealed audiences was the tagline that there was flying around everywhere. You see, Arnie was the man not to mess with. He was then what The Rock is trying to be now. He was sort of the man on top of the list for action. I mean, he had just done Commando. He's the Terminator. He's Mr. Universe. He played Hercules. He played Conan the Barbarian. You know, this is the guy that couldn't lose or nor did anyone want to fight. And this comes back to the original idea of the script where, you know, we need someone that can beat Rocky, you know, who can beat Rocky? So, you know, this was sort of the, the guy they needed. They needed someone to test this guy. And it was always going to be Arnie for this role. So the tagline for this uh, movie was something like this, and I'll try and do it in a classic narration, in a narrative voice. In part of a world where there are no rules, deep in the jungle where nothing that lives is safe, an elite rescue squad is being led by the ultimate warrior, but now they're up against the ultimate enemy. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. It kills for pleasure, it hunts for sport, but this time it picked the wrong man to hunt. Um, I'm so I'm so sorry for doing it in that voice. I couldn't help it, but yeah, and that's that's all it took. That tagline is all it took. People were scratching their heads and going like, "What is this movie about?" Jesus, I'm going to watch this. This like idea that something could even challenge Arnie in a fight, and the quotes of the movie ended up single-handedly advertising the movie. You know, like if it bleeds, we can kill it, and the hunt begins. And it was just it was just going off these really cool quotes and lines and just sort of advertisements of the unknown of what this enemy was. So it was really riding high on momentum and adrenaline before the movie even came out. And when it did, it was a box office hit, of course. I think with a budget of 15 million, it made just short of 100, uh, which was okay. But the real success picked up throughout the 90s through video rentals. So this was quite an ambiguous movie when it came out. When John Materian wanted to do was not sell it as a sci-fi movie, but instead a sort of normal sort of Rambo action movie with this sort of hidden twist that the true enemy is in fact an alien. And this was a sort of mystique of it when doing the trailer with not revealing what the Predator was or what it even looked like. I mean, from all we know, it could have been a guy in a costume or some kind of robot or just a really big, tall human being. In the movie, one thing I really hate is the opening scene, which shows a spacecraft ejecting a pod onto Earth, or into Earth, which just ruins the whole surprise of the movie. I mean, I think by the time the movie was coming out, people had guessed it was something not from this world, and the studio knew that sci-fi alien movies was really selling, especially from the money Aliens and its sequels brought in. So I think the studio added that scene at the start to remind audiences that there is an alien here, this is a sci-fi movie. So for me, if there, if there wasn't that opening scene, I think the film would have been a lot better. I think, I mean, you don't really see the Predator until much later on. You, I mean, you see his heat vision and his blood and then parts of him, but you don't really see the whole thing until, I think, when Max sees him, which is about an hour in. So I thought that was a really annoying part for me. I mean, I've read the, I've read the Predator only has eight minutes of screen time in the whole movie. Most of it, of course, is at the end with the showdown of Arnie. So the, the Predator was like, it wasn't special effects. It was, a, I mean, the invisible part was special effects, but the creation itself was animatronics. And it was done by the expert of um, Stan Winston, who's done loads of work on creatures and designs over the years in Hollywood. But the creation of the mandibles, which is the sort of jaw of Predator, which opens up very uniquely, was the idea of James Cameron, who just directed the second Aliens movie. And he said, actually, I've always wanted to see something with mandibles. And Stan, and Stan Winston was like... Okay, that's interesting. And he started drawing what is now the Predator and got inspired with the dreadlocks with a painting of a Rastafarian in the producer's uh, office. So when every time someone asks James Cameron, what's your best creation? He always goes to Predator. I mean, he's joking, of course, because he only just 
mention the Mandibles, but uh, yeah, he always does say that on the record, <laughs> which is quite funny. So after the film was made, the Predator was actually quite a popular character in comic books worldwide. I mean, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a comic book character first. It originated in the movie. But after the movie came out, it was becoming a really like, um, you know, popular character in comic books, you know, becoming almost bigger than the film in this hidden world of comics. And in the comics, he's this shapeshifter able to mimic any form it chooses from just like the slightest physical contact and evil, you know, even capable of dissipating entirely, vanishing and becoming part of the wind. I mean, it's basic form of this tall humanoid creature with like scaly skin and free fingered hands. I mean, its only weapon in the comic is a spear that it throws, which we don't actually see in the first movie, but we do see in its sequels. And he also has in the comic books a static spider web, which sort of traps its... Uh, victim and then shreds it also not shown in the first movie but from the comic books you can see that after it came out they use sort of the these sort of weapons in the later movies and instead of a cloak the predator uses this shape-shifting ability and chameleon-like skin to hide which they do in the film and the predator is also able to possess any animal it chooses which is quite interesting but it's not humans which is one of the reasons it's so interested in them its blood is also translucent and it's sort of amber in color also it glows at night which is kind of cool and the Predator doesn't kill men for sport, but rather out of curiosity because it, the way it horrifically mutilates its prey is merely an attempt to really study it and understand humans. It does, however, keep them as trophies and then uses it um, or keeps them on board. So there are really cool differences in there. So it doesn't really venture too far away from the movies, but in all fairness, the detail and thought behind the comics are probably the best and only source for the history and origin of Predator. I mean, because with the actual creator, Stan Winston, they didn't really come up with a backstory to the creature. It was more about the design which is where the comic books sort of took over and the sequels are paid tribute to the comics so by using the comics they've sort of later incorporated these weapons they use in the comics in the later films as well so they the, the later movies sort of use the comic books as manuals now and i found out the other day that, uh, that there's actually a comic where predator fights batman which is <laughs> how extreme and detailed these comic goes i mean we all love a crossover don't we and speaking of crossovers, I mean, this creature is now officially in the same universe as the Exomorph from uh, Ridley Scott's Alien, where we've had two films already come out in um, Alien versus Predator, and then there was a second one, I think around 2004, 2007. Uh, but in Predator, I mean, in this film, it's Anna, the woman, that sort of tries to fill in the gaps of the origin of the Predator, and she says, and excuse my awful Spanish here, but she's like, El Diablo Casidad de Hombres, which is, she basically means only in the hottest years this happens, and this year it grows hot. We begin finding our men. We find them sometimes without their skin and sometimes much, much worse. And then she later goes, El Quiar Trophies de la Hombre, which means the demon who makes trophies of men. And that's all we get about the origin of Predator there. And this vague but somewhat revealing information about the Predator tells us that this, you know, tells us the, as the audience that this creature has been here before and it seems to be, you know, it seems to be here for a game. You know, you know how people travel all the way to Africa to hunt exotic animals. It's sort of the same thing for this creature. It travels all the way to Earth on these hot days and hunts humans in this safari-like environment. It keeps the trophies as prizes and humans as a, you know, as a species offers a challenge. You know, the hunt is what attracts this creature. It only usually attacks people or hunts people if they're armed. Hence the disappearance of the gorilla crew at the start of the movie, which you don't see, but you assume that's why um, they attack them. And of course, you know, Dutch and his team are all fully armed with machine guns and God knows what else. So that's why the, uh, the Predator sort of sets his eyes on them. 
And the goal is not to be, you know, not to be seen, and it's to be in the shadows, which, you know, sort of emphasize with the, you know, the capability to blend in with the background. And I mean, I say here is I think the strongest of the species as well um, are female, because I had to read a few of these comics to sort of do this podcast a bit accurately. And I found that to be quite interesting. Like most of the big predators or the ones that venture out alone to Earth are actually female. And again, with this sort of self-exploding wrist bomb, it further shows that this creature's, you know, at the point of this creature's demise, if it ever gets to that point, it still wants to remain a mystery to the world, therefore removing any evidence of his existence. So it explodes and self-destructs. And so, it, you know, if it ever hunts again, or if their species hunts again, it's in full secrecy to what to actually expect, so no one's ever going to see them. And, you know, with the comics in regards to the Predator, I mean, it's, it's so interesting and there's so much detailed. I mean, one of them says, like, they apparently arrived in ancient Egypt and they helped the humans construct the pyramids. In exchange, the people would then, sacri- you know, they'd become human sacrifices as hosts for the exomorphs and aliens. So when the Predator comes back to Earth, they would have something worthy to hunt in the exomorphs, which is believed to be some kind of twisted rite of passage. But apparently, you know, years went on and the exomorphs multiplied rapidly and then the predators had to kill them all with their, you know, exploding wrist bomb. And then the humans evolved into the world and that's where they started, you know, picking out uh, humans in like remote places. And, you know, this is sort of where the idea of the first movie goes into with this ambush in this South American jungle. So it's quite cool reading these kind of stories to get a better sense of where this enemy is from. I mean, it's probably one of my favorite action movies of all time. It's just so simple and it's effective because of this mysteriousness of this enemy and the power of the people you are, you know, you know, you're rooting for because there are like six or seven men that you do not want to fuck with. So probably a fact a lot of people already know, but the person in costume of the uh, the person that was in the costume of the Predator outfit originally was Jean Claude Van Damme, and he did like two days of filming before leaving because he got angry that a the suit was way too hot and he would actually end up passing out, which is a, you know a fair point. And B, they weren't going to show his face at any point, which I mean, well, I don't think he really understands the character if they thought they were going to show his face. But yeah, so not to mention that Arnie and his team all stand above six foot and where Jean-Claude is like five, nine. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world, him leaving. But they got um, seven foot two Kevin Peter Hall in this movie to do these scenes. And he was a gem. I mean, he didn't complain once. He got on with everything and he was a real trooper during the shoot. And he was so good that the director even stuck him in the movie so they could show his face. Kind of like a fuck you to Jean-Claude Van Damme and sort of an appreciation for Kevin Peter Hall. So um, if you want to see him, he's the black pilot right at the end of the movie where they get rescued. Um, and it was sort of just like a, a big thank you to him to put him in the movie. But like I said before, this movie, I mean, the reason this movie holds up is because, you know, the special effects were becoming a thing back then. And the film, you know, chose not to go with the special effects. They went a bit old school with pure animatronics and created one of the most iconic creatures in cinema history. The fact that we don't see it at all for most of the movie is part of the charm for this movie. I mentioned old school, and this is exactly what this movie is. You've got seven, eight well-oiled macho men going through a jungle and going through the brilliant pace of the movie to uncover that these macho men are about to meet their match and that is the reason it's lasted so long it's just pure nostalgia and it's a benchmark 
to an action movie in terms of pacing and not revealing too much about your enemy as well. I mean, the whole reason Jaws was very scary and really successful was because when it came out, you never really saw the shark until right at the end of the movie. It's that fear that really drives the suspense, the things you can't see. With Predator, I mentioned it made just short of $100 million, but money at the box office is not everything. I don't think it even won any Oscars, but um, action films don't tend to really be nominated, let alone win at the awards. It was I don't, I don't even think it was in the top 10 highest grossing movies for that year. It was a tough year in 1987. When I mean tough, I mean competitive. I think the best film like in terms of money was Beverly Hills Cop 2, and the other films that were coming out, Dirty Dancing, Free Man and a Baby did really well, The Untouchables, Platoon was out that year. But the point I'm making is, despite no Oscars and not even being in the top 10 films of that year, Predator still lives on today. And it's a classic. And what I'm doing in these podcasts is looking at films that have survived the test of time. And I'm trying to explore why it's come down to, uh, why, why it's come down to you know, these movies surviving you know, 30 years. And you know, it's down to a handful, a handful of things. And it's a film that probably couldn't be made today. It's bold. It's full of male characters. It's high on testosterone. They make pussy jokes in this movie. It's a film that only could have been made at the time it was made. And it's grown in popularity with cult followers and and now comic book fans. And it's it's through its raw and grit of the costume and animatronics and appearance of the Predator and through the, the peak of human male specimen in this movie. It's probably a film where all action movies are trying to get over. I mean... Because it's so simple, it's annoying. It's one location, it's one enemy, there's no motive. It's just stick these characters in the jungle and let's have some fun here. And something that all, you know, something that it all sticks to make a piece of art and it's amazing. And I think what they've just done here is they've got the they've got the right components and what they've done is they've just rolled the dice a bit and they've produced one of the best action movies of all time. And, you know, that's all I have time for with Predator. I think it's one of my favourite action movies. And remember, without this movie, McTiernan wouldn't have made Die Hard the year after. So this movie is special in more ways than one, you know. So if you want to follow my updates on upcoming podcasts of film reviews, I'm on Instagram, Film Exploration AH, or lowercase or one word. Um, and thank you for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.